It's time now for Super Psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. Welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. This evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and at 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmarakarpel.com. And today is Sunday, March the 14th, 2021, and I'm psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell, and I hope you're all staying safe wherever you are. Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is here to make the show run smoothly as usual this evening. And in a little while after the break, we'll be joined once again from down under in Melbourne, Australia, by Dr. Kylie Harris research psychologist, writer, and activist. And she's going to talk this time about her work with fellow academics, media, politicians, climate activists, and indigenous Australians to help society understand and navigate the current global environmental emergency. We'll also be joined by twins, Ruben and Minerva, in Mexico for another destination spot on the Bay of Vendettas. And I'll be starting our new segment mentioning Texas businesses who are committed to continuing to keep us safe during this pandemic. And we'll be spotlighting one of those businesses with an interview with Crema Bakery in Austin, Texas, who, aside from their commitment to safety, has given away thousands of dollars in groceries to those Texans who were hit hard by the freak winter storm. And along the way, I'll continue with a few tips for living with more passion during these uncertain times. And you can hear the podcast of this evening's show in as soon as five minutes after the show by going to my going to my website, drmaricarpel.com, and later this evening I'll have all the links from the program that we discuss on the show um, available as well as the podcast. And you can also hear it radio.com slash your golden years about five minutes after the program and you can hear um, all the previous programs we've done here on blogtalkradio.com by going to blogtalkradio.com slash your golden years and by going to my website drmaracarpel.com and be sure to follow me on facebook for all upcoming programs dr maracarpel your golden years this program is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions. And we're going to take a very brief break. Don't go anywhere. It's going to be real brief. And we're going to come back with our interview with Dr. Kylie Harris in Melbourne, Australia. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. 
Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. All right. I am speaking with Kylie Harris, Dr. Kylie Harris, in Melbourne, Australia, who is a research psychologist, writer, and activist. Welcome, Kylie. Hello, Mara. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us from tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's my pleasure. Yes, it's always fun to, um, to, to be talking from the future. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and we're in the end of the winter here, and you're at the end of your summer. The end of summer, yes. Um, thankfully, we, we've had a, a pretty mild summer here, um, which has been to the relief of everyone. Um, yeah, but I, and I'm not a summer person at the best of times, so autumn is my favorite season, so I'm, or fall, I guess you guys call it. Right. So. <laughs> both, yes. both. Happy time. Yeah. So, so you were on not too long ago um, talking about our, you know, spiritual emergencies that we are having um, as humans on this planet. And you've been doing a lot of work with climate change and with spiritual emergencies with the indigenous people right there in Australia. So, you know, why don't we start with that? What, what's been going on with that? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I, through my academic work, um, looking at the, this phenomenon of spiritual emergency, um, which is essentially a process of um, awakening or, you know, the emergence of, of conscious awareness for people, um, through my work with that I start, and my own personal experience, I started to realise how much it was really connected to climate change and emotions that are associated with climate change, um, like eco-anxiety and um you know, just stress around the future, existential crisis. I certainly had one of those when I jumped into the climate science and started reading it. Um, and then, you know, again, as I started reflecting on these issues, um, I, I already had an interest in Indigenous practices and spirituality, uh, and it just started to become a lot clearer to me how, um, you know, issues like colonisation have really contributed to the climate emergency in the sense that... Um, you know, through through colonisation, Indigenous populations have been dispossessed, uh, land has been dispossessed, they've been forcibly removed from their traditional lands, and a consequence of that has been um, the inability to undertake traditional practices. And, um, you know, for Indigenous people, their traditional practices are very spiritual. Um, they large, you know, they involve a connection um, between the people and the land, and that's a spiritual connection, and it's, it's holistic kind of system of, um, you know, focusing on the physical, emotional and spiritual with land management being just one part of that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's emotional health issues associated with being able to effectively care for country, which is what Indigenous Australians call their practices. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, for me personally, it just started to become a lot clearer how there are strong connections between these various social movements that we're seeing at the moment, you know, in terms of mental health, the climate and issues of racial justice um, and social justice for all of us. 
Um, and so I started reaching out and making connections with Indigenous elders and leaders here um, and, and having discussions with politicians um, around the idea of incorporating Indigenous practices like traditional burning, for example, into Australia's version of the Green New Deal. Um, mm -hmm. So we're still sort of having conversations around that, um, but it's looking quite promising. Um, and it was interesting because, you know, not very long ago, I wouldn't have been able to use the word spiritual emergency with a politician. Uh -huh. um, but <laughs> in this context, it, it just seems to make a lot more sense to people. You know, when you explain to people um, that, yeah, as I just said, you know, for Indigenous people, caring for country is a spiritual practice for them mm -hmm. and, and forced removal um, from land has been a spiritual trauma. Um, and consequently, the inability to undertake these traditional practices has led to the climate emergency, um, you know, due to unmanaged land. Um, and so for, spirit, for Indigenous people, the climate emergency is really a spiritual emergency. And, and when I talk to them, you know, they, they confirm that, that, you know, that is how they feel about it. Um, and so, yeah, you know, when you, when you consider that, um, that we're all connected and that people are all one, you know, we're all brothers and sisters, um, I guess you can kind of expand that to, to suggest that the climate emergency is really a spiritual emergency for all of us. Right, um, and it's, yeah. it's global because, well, in terms of the Indigenous people, what, what's going on in Australia is pretty similar to what's going on here in North America. Um, That's right, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, I mean, again, when I talk to Indigenous people and ask, you know, um, do other Indigenous cultures do traditional burning? They tell me that, yes, they do. Um, and, yeah, they tell me that, that there, there is a commonality. There are differences, but there's a commonality between traditional practices. And so I guess I'm hoping that Australia might be able to lead on this um, and then others might follow. <laughs> well, here in the U.S., you know, a lot of land has been taken away from the Indigenous people, the Native Americans, um, for various reasons, but most recently to they wanted to build a pipeline for oil um, right through the land where they have very spiritual, very spiritual land, burial land, as well as their water supply, their supply yeah. of clean water. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Now with the new administration, it seems like that has been stopped, but it's been ongoing for several years that, that you know, they were threatening yeah. to build this pipeline. And certainly the climate, you know, issues that you have in Australia, you know, they don't stay in Australia. It's everywhere. You know, yeah. we all share the same globe, same Mother That's Earth. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's it, absolutely. I read a lot about that issue. Um, and, I mean, even just the, that ongoing um struggle, you know, is, a, is an ongoing chronic spiritual trauma for these people who have had to, um, who are, yeah, have had to fight against this for so long. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And certainly the climate issue and how the, how, you know, what's going on affects the climate affects all of us. We're all connected on this earth with that. And we saw that right here in Texas. We were just talking about that with, you know, People who don't believe in climate change will say, well, how can cold, you know, being unusually cold weather, what does that have to do with global warming? I know, I but know. That's why global warming is not the right 
term it's climate change and i think yeah i i think that's one of the reasons why we started using the term climate change instead of global warming because yeah you do hear <laughs> ignorant comments about um yeah oh how can a cold start being global warming um you know without that deeper understanding of of, of what what it actually means i guess right right and certainly that climate change affects all of us no matter what part of the globe you're you're on and um, yeah, well, how... that's another thing. Like, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of governments, my own included, have have tried to use the argument of, oh, but we only contribute a very small amount, so, you know, we shouldn't have to do too much to, to mitigate, um, which is just such a juvenile argument. Um, and, you know, it can be so easily debunked. I mean, if anyone who's got small children or has had small children, you know, if your child comes and says, oh, but I didn't, I didn't make much of that mess, I don't have to clean it up, well, I mean, it's pretty easy to make a moral argument or, you know, to to provide a moral example for them there. Um, okay, maybe you haven't contributed a lot, but wouldn't it be nice to just step up and be a leader and right. show others that you're still willing to, to do as much as it takes to make a difference because there are flow-on effects. Um, mm-hmm. And as you say, this is a, a global issue, which means that it requires global collaboration, which does require leaders to step up and show the way and take the lead. Um, and, and who do you want to be? You know, do you want to be one of the people who's thwarting those efforts by saying, "Oh, well, we haven't done much, so we don't have to contribute much to the problem, to solving the problem"? Or would you rather be a leader stepping up and saying, "Well, actually, it doesn't matter how much we've contributed to the problem. We want to contribute wholeheartedly to the solution." To the solution, right? So, how does how does the how does the the um, I guess I a lot of people might be interested in understanding more the interconnectedness of all these different issues. We have the global climate change issue and the indigenous spiritual issue and how does this all kind of intertwine? Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, yeah, like it's sort of all becoming clearer. I think even just since COVID um, really highlighted, you know, the concept of global crisis and emergency. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, for me, connecting the dots has been a very personal experience. Um, and, you know, it's, it's been my own experience of, of spiritual emergency, for example, and, and realizing how much I was being influenced by um, climate and that a lot of my generalized anxiety has morphed into climate anxiety. And uh-huh. maybe that's what's always been on some unconscious level. Um, so, I mean, yeah, for me, that connection between spiritual emergency and climate emergency was happening personally. Um, and then I guess as I did start to explore um, Indigenous issues and, and start to learn more about issues like environmental um, colonisation and things like that, um, realising how, yeah, it really it really can be strongly argued that um, the climate emergency has come about as a result of the oppression of traditional Indigenous practices that obviously um, has, you know, significant environmental benefits mm-hmm. as well as spiritual and emotional benefits. Um, and so, yeah, I guess that for me personally is how I've been able to connect all of the dots um, and then, I mean, hopefully try to, to help other people understand that. Mm-hmm, right. And certainly the if you, if you look at it in the other direction, the climate emergencies will certainly affect us, as you said, emotionally well, and spiritually. Yeah, that's it. It kind of works bi-directionally um, mm-hmm. in the sense that, you know, as people are starting to 
um, I guess, realise and awaken to the seriousness of the climate emergency Mm -hmm. um, and and starting to maybe read a little bit more about the climate science and, and, you know, and what's happening. Um, And as a consequence of that, you know, starting to become more connected to nature and more connected to the planet and starting to really develop um, feelings of love for the planet and and feelings of grief and pain at at what's happening to it, um, that in itself is creating existential crisis for people because, um, you know, these are really, really deep existential issues that we're dealing Mm -hmm. with and and they do evoke feelings of anxiety and grief and despair. Um, And so, yeah, as people are becoming more um, ecologically aware I think that they are starting to expand, their consciousness is expanding um, in in positive and negative ways because it is a serious issue. Um, And I think that, yeah, certainly as I speak to more and more people, um, there is a larger focus on on Indigenous practices and, and, you know, I mean, it seems obvious to me and, um, and I think, you know, to some people, but not to everyone and it hasn't always seemed obvious to me that Indigenous people did maintain the planet for a very long time right. before Western colonisation and so why would we not look to them to help us with answers? Mm-hmm. Why would we not be looking to that? And again, you know, that comes into the ideologies that, that underpin colonisation um, and you know, and, and the oppression of um, of Indigenous cultures and, and not wanting to acknowledge that, that they have a deep wisdom that, as an Indigenous elder recently explained to me, um, it, it is empirical in the sense that over many, many, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, um, Indigenous people tried and tested through trial and error and they mm-hmm. figured out what worked and what didn't. And it may not be written down in science journals the way we do it, but it's still an empirical practice for them in the right. sense that um that yeah they're, they're kind of using the same types of principles that we use in science um mm-hmm. it's just recorded in different ways for them it's re- recorded through word of mouth and storytelling as opposed to written up and published in an academic journal but i mean why would we not look to that vast wisdom and experience um yeah <laughs> so what do they have to say about a global pandemic in the indigenous circle? <laughs> Global pandemic, actually, that's an interesting question, and mm-hmm. I've been focusing more on the climate, um, okay. yeah, the climate situation and haven't specifically asked questions okay. about that. However, I did recently have a conversation with a woman who um, contributes to, oh, and I don't have it in front of me now, um, I believe it's the IP, oh, no, I'm going to make a mistake. Anyway, it's the biodiversity equivalent of the IPCC report that is put out by the United Nations. Mm -hmm. Um, And she also has contributed to a report that is about pandemics, um, pandemics and climate change, and they do consult with Indigenous elders and leaders in that. So I can provide you with that information if you want to include it for people. Interesting, because I think that, you know, if nothing else, I think what's really clear to all of us, even if we don't know all of the those issues that you're going to look further into, um, is that we are all connected. I mean, this pandemic is affecting every one of us on this planet, and it and it was transferred from one person to another, from one end of the globe to the other. You know, people thought, oh, that's something that's, exists over there that's in china then we heard it was in europe oh we're going to be fine here everybody in the u.s was just going on about their business as if nothing was going to affect us 
Yeah. And then yep. it was here with like, you know, like that. Um, yeah. so Absolutely. I know here in Australia, like we hadn't even recovered from the bushfires and mm-hmm. it was such an inconvenient truth for people. And, um, you know, we've seen um, pandemics or not pandemics, but epidemics happen overseas uh, with SARS and MERS, for example. Right. But it's always been, yeah, someone else's problem someone else's issue we never thought it was going to reach us here in australia and although we have done very well with it and we're very fortunate and grateful um we were obviously still affected by it and and i guess it has been a wake-up call that wow actually yes there are global things happening and they're affecting all of us yeah and here in speaking of indigenous people the it's the native american communities that were hit the hardest here in the U.S. They were really yep. hit very hard and still are, you know. So it's, it's, I think there's, and then in terms of climate, you know, I don't know if you've heard, if you've been, heard any of these discussions about how the, you know, with the polar caps melting, they're discovering that there are viruses or, you know, being, yeah. you know, organisms that live in the ice that have been frozen for for centuries yeah, yeah. that are yeah. that are, might possibly come to life and that is very terrifying um and which again so, yeah brings in another issue that um indigenous people are often disproportionately affected by things like pandemics and by climate change as well um there's low-lying pacific island nations here close to australia mm-hmm. and um, new zealand um, and a lot of these islands are already being severely affected by climate change. And as you as you point out there, you know, um, possibly um, will be more susceptible to things like viruses and, and, and new pandemics. Um, and so this is, again, another, another piece of the puzzle um, as to, you know, how the interrelatedness of all of these issues really highlights issues of racial and social justice mm-hmm. um, and, and, and the oppression of practices that, that could have prevented us from right. being in this mess in the first place. Right. And it's the people who have contributed the least to the problem, who are the ones who are now being affected the most by the problem mm-hmm. and basically being bullied by <laughs> those who don't want to step up and take right. the lead but you know have the power to do so if they chose to. And it's the indigenous cultures that listen to the earth, <laughs> right? That's right. That's right. And when, I mean, yeah, like when when a lot of the time when they try to speak about these spiritual connections, they get laughed at, they get ignored. Um, these types of things, things are considered, you know, oh, that's woo-woo, we don't listen to that. This is from a primitive culture. We've, we've come so far since that. But, I mean, I certainly think that there is a shift um, and I really hope that that's going to gain momentum of realising that, well, actually, these people are our elders. Mm-hmm. These are our spiritual elders. Right. So we need to stop being children, <laughs> children throwing tantrums and, 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 you know, wanting to keep playing with our toys. Um, and we need to start listening to the elders and, and the grown-ups in the room who have got the wisdom that we've been ignoring right. for all these years. And they've been watching the earth. They've been listening. They know what they they know. They pay attention to what's happening on this earth for hundreds of years, thousands of years, right? Um, well, That's we're, right. Well, we're just been... we're just trying to get what we want. We just want immediate gratification. That's it. That's it. We we want to keep playing with our toys. We don't want to listen to the mm-hmm. to the inconvenient truths that that the elders are telling us. 
Um, but yeah, um, I, I, the elder that I spoke to recently, he also explained to me that um, Indigenous people see um, the white fella, um, or okay. you know, the, the colonising nations, um, as as the children. Basically, they see us as children, and and I completely understand that. Right. Um, yeah, it, it is like they are the grown-ups and they've been they've been listening to the land and to the planet all of this time. And, and so, again, you know, that's been a chronic spiritual trauma for them to see how the rest of us children have been treating the planet and being powerless to do anything about it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that, I think that in, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement, I think that... Um, indigenous voices are becoming louder and mm-hmm. they're becoming more acknowledged, um, which I'm so happy about and so grateful for and mm-hmm. um, and so wanting to dedicate as much as I can to continuing the momentum of that um, because I, I really think that that's um, probably the, the, the major chance that we have of being able to turn things around because we don't, this is the thing, we don't have to start from scratch. We don't have to come up with solutions all by ourselves to get ourselves out of the mess that we've created. The solutions are there. We just need to stop and listen. Right, right. So if if listeners are interested in learning more and, and really becoming part of the solution, do you have suggestions for them? <laughs> Um, well, I do. Uh, well, first I would like to say, um, you know, I do strongly acknowledge that um, addressing the climate emergency is deeply traumatic for people. It has been for myself um, and it is for a lot of people. And there's a really great program that has just recently launched um, by American um, like climate psychologist Margaret Klein-Salomon. And she's started this program called Climate Awakening. So the website is climateawakening.org. And through that website, you can actually, um, like, arrange kind of focus group sessions. So you can either, like, arrange a bunch of your friends or I think you can jump on and have a look if there is already a group that's been organised. And they're basically, like, little kind of peer support focus groups um, that last for maybe half an hour or something where you can connect with other people and just talk about your emotions associated with climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's just a really... Um, like therapeutic way, I guess, of, of debriefing with other people who are also, you know, having difficulties, feeling anxious, feeling depressed, that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, like what what's sort of emerging in the research is that um, peer support is really, really helpful. And when we start talking about these issues and making them a bit more real, then we can start creating solutions. And then that can start to, to ease some of that anxiety when you realise that you're not alone and that, um, you know, we're not... We're not yet um, destined for, you know, an apocalyptic ending. Um, We can still turn things around, um, but we need to be doing it collectively. And so connecting with others who are feeling the same is really empowering and really uplifting. So that's certainly one thing that I I recommend. I think that's real. you know, you make a really good point. And that sounds like a really great resource because if people are really scared, they turn off the information. They're powerless to do anything about changing what they're scared of because they run away from the pain. Well, that's it. I mean, it's so yeah. overwhelming. That a lot of people feel really paralyzed and mm-hmm. don't know what they can do. And so, yeah, the natural defense mechanism is to kind of avoid. Exactly. Um, and I completely understand that. It's so normal and natural. Right. right. But yeah. if we can find ways of easing that anxiety, 
then we can actually yep. face the issue and do something to change it. That's right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and if people want to learn, you know, more about um, about what what's happening here in Australia, if people want to learn more about um, Indigenous issues and, and, and find resources about that, they can certainly reach out to me personally. Um, I, I am on Facebook and Twitter, Dr. Kylie Harris, and also on Medium, Dr. Kylie Harris. Um, people can yeah, send me direct messages um, and I can share my email address and that sort of thing to try and help connect people with the right people for them. Um, that's something that I really enjoy doing is making connections for people um, and I can send resources and I guess just let people know that they're not alone and that there is positivity happening in this space. It's not all doom and disaster and despair. There's lots of positive things happening, mm-hmm. um, but it, it is a collective effort and so yeah, I guess the idea is for people to step into that collective flow state that we're that we're working on and that we're manifesting because um, those of us working in this space are feeling energized, even though we're completely aware and awake to these um, to these issues and these emotions that people are feeling. We're feeling energized at the same time because um, you know we are kind of I guess working on another level to what we have before mm-hmm. because of the urgency of the situation. And when you feel like you're part of the solution instead of the problem, then that is empowering no matter what the outcome ends up being. That's how you create passion in your life, right? When you feel like you're part of the solution and you have passion. I I think definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So Facebook, Twitter, Medium, Dr. Kylie Harris. I'm going to post that on my website post about this show so people can just go there and and look and find you. Um, Thank you. I, I am in the process of, um, of setting up an organisation here in Australia. It will be a, a largely a research and education-based um, non-profit organisation. Um, it's still in the process, though, so we don't have a website or anything yet. It's called the Australian Centre for Consciousness Studies. So maybe we can chat again when that's a little yes, bit more established. Definitely. <laughs> that would be great. Um, I'd love We're to have certainly that. hoping to, to partner with um, with other organisations around the world that are working in these areas um, and being a real kind of resource hub for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Yes, definitely come back and, and talk about that. That would be great. Great. Um, and I think, you know, just in what you're saying, it makes me realise that right now there are so many issues that, we need to deal with on a, in a in conjunction with each other rather than trying to do it ourselves or leave it to some other people to take care of. So we saw that we see that with the pandemic that it takes all of us wearing masks and social distancing before we can get this under control and it's the same with climate change, it's the same with social justice, all of these issues. It really takes all of us and um, at the same time, we can be feel empowered when we when we join with other people. Absolutely, and this is another piece of wisdom that we can take from indigenous cultures as well. You know, they're not individualist cultures; they're collectivist cultures. Mm-hmm. And we're only just starting to realize this through global pandemics and climate emergencies. That the more that we work together, the more we can generate collective power. And I think it's the politicians who are realizing that, um, you know, who are realizing that and promoting that message um, are the ones that we should be speaking to. (laughs) They're the ones that are, are, I guess, 
listening as well and willing to work together um, because the people are starting to realise their power. Mm-hmm. And so the more that we step into that, the more that we can create change because it will gather a momentum that cannot be stopped. Yep, yep. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the program this evening, this afternoon over there, and <laughs> tomorrow afternoon yeah. over there in Australia. And, um, <laughs> and I'd love to have you come back. I would love to come back. Thank you very much for the opportunity. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Same here. You take care now. Thank you. You too. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaracarpell.com. And we're back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmarakarpell.com. And I just want to mention that um, after that interview, uh, Kylie sent me the um, email, the um, internet address for that organization that she spoke about, that research organization, and it's ipbes.net. And I have posted it on my website post about this show, as well as some of the other links that she talked about. Um, Okay, so uh, before we go on to, we have a lot more to come. So before we go on to the next portion, I want to talk a little bit about, um, I want to talk about self-compassion, because I think that Right now, a lot of people have been really, really hard on themselves, and I think it's really important for us to give ourselves a break and (laughs) spend some time thinking about, like, how amazing we are that we got through this year. It it is just past the one-year anniversary of everything closing down from the pandemic, and you know, it's been a really difficult year for most people between social isolation. Um, some people have gotten sick and are in recovery and people have lost loved ones. Many people have lost loved ones to this pandemic. Uh, people have lost work, have had economic losses, significant homes. Uh, There's just so much that has happened in the past year, not to mention all the various weather events that we've had. And I think we need to give ourselves a pat on the back. We need to really look at how strong we have been. We've gotten through this. Good job, everyone. And I know it's really easy to get down on yourself that you haven't done enough. You feel like you know, you've had these goals and you haven't been able to work on them. And not only are you angry about the situation outside of yourself, but you start turning it in toward yourself and being angry that you haven't done enough. So that should have been something that you did to, to keep moving forward or to find some other way for things to, to move in the positive direction. And I think you really need to, Give yourself a break. We all need to give ourselves a break. Um, 
You know, I gave a talk last week on um, Tuesday about living a passionate life through these difficult times and uh, talked about the issue of dealing with criticism of other people, that when we're on a path towards making changes in our life, making positive changes, following our dreams, doing things that we really want to do, bringing our gifts into the world, um, even eating healthier food and exercising or engaging in acts of kindness, you wouldn't think that that would cause a problem with other people. But whenever you make a change in your life, there are going to be critics. And the critics uh, may be people who are jealous. They may be people who are fearful that now that you're making positive changes, that shines the light on them and and they don't feel ready to make positive changes. Um, A lot of people always you know, have a tendency to turn the situation around to how does it affect me rather than this is something that you're doing for yourself. People look at how it affects me and may not have a positive reaction to that. And it may be people that you love who in the same way feel like this is going to change your relationship with them, that they fear oh, no, what is this going to mean for me and our relationship that you're doing all these great things and you're leaving me behind? And there are people who are critical because they worry about you and they, they fear that maybe you're, you're making changes that might affect your life in a negative way. So one of the, one of the things that we need to do, which is not always easy, is to be able to take the criticism um, that's constructive and use it constructively. Like look at comments or critiques that people make, take out the emotion and just look at it for what it is, that maybe they have a point. Maybe I need to tweak my path, my goal a little bit or my path a little bit. Maybe I'm taking on too much at once. Maybe I need to keep doing my whatever job I'm doing to bring money in while I'm exploring this new path, whatever it is, if we could take the positive from it, adding the emotional content of, you know, feeling criticized and berated and then leave the rest behind realizing that what other people say um, and how other people feel is really none of my business. That's their business. Right? We can't control how other people feel. And when people say things to us in a mean way, it's more reflective of their own life situation than it is of us. Um, Don Miguel Ruiz, who wrote The Four Agreements, often, you know, he, his first agreement, which he often talked about, was don't take anything personally. When people say things um, negative, it's usually um a reflection of their own dream as he refers to it but the other part of this is that we are usually our own worst critics that we the reason that people can trigger us with their negative comments is because we're already saying those negative things about ourselves so it's in order to be able to stay strong in the face of critics, we need to 
be strong in the face of our own inner critic, or I like to call it our inner trolls. And, um, you know, I I wrote about this in my book, um, Tips for Increasing Self-Love. There are some things that you can do to help you to tame your inner troll. Um, So on this list, number one is to treat yourself like you're worthy right now, even if you don't believe it. So do things to take care of yourself. Eat healthy food, exercise, get enough sleep, take action towards following your dreams, do things during the day that that make you feel cheer, you know, feel cheerful, that cheer you up. Treat yourself like you're already worthwhile before you actually believe that you're worthwhile. And again, do things throughout the day that cheer you and inspire you. Read something inspirational. Watch an inspiring video. They're really helpful in increasing that feeling of self-love. And then, you know, it's hard to surround ourselves with people. I, I wrote in here, surround yourself with positive people. But we can virtually surround ourselves with people. We can talk to positive people on the phone. We can communicate in groups, on the internet, Um, people who are um, following their dreams, who are very positive, and who inspire you to follow your dreams. And when you're around positive people, it teaches you how to be positive. So we learn from observation. So positive people teach us how to be positive. And start working on turning off that negative self-talk. Stop listening to the negativity of others. And I'm going to stop here before I go on with the rest of the list and with the final one is to forgive yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. Forgive yourself. Nobody's perfect. Have a sense of humor about mistakes. Apologize if you've hurt anybody along the way. And, and forgive yourself. Okay, so I'm going to talk more about that next week and go on with a few other um, tips for living a passionate life during this time. But I want to just mention um, a couple of other things. We are starting this new very quick segment every week where we talk about businesses that we learn of here in Texas that are continuing to keep the community safe through following uh, the CDC guidelines. Um, As they change, right now the CDC still says to wear a mask when you're out in public and to stay six feet apart, especially indoors. So, you know, although the state of Texas, the mask mandate has been lifted, although some communities, it's still in place, like in Austin and in Round Rock and San Antonio, and I'm sure a few other communities around the state. But private businesses have the right to continue to require masks and social distancing, even if the mask mandate is lifted in the area where they are. Private businesses have the right to ask you to wear a mask or you can't come in, and they have a right to limit how many people come in the door just like they have a right to ask you to wear shoes and a shirt, okay? So we are celebrating that because 
we're grateful that there are businesses that really want to keep us safe because this is really the CDC guideline. This is what's going to help to keep us safe until there are enough people are vaccinated that it's safe to be without a mask or to be in tighter quarters. So I'm going to name every every week, name a couple of businesses around Texas that are doing that. And also I'm going to highlight some of those businesses with brief interviews. So one business that is doing that here in Texas is in Round Rock. Um, Val Frezzi owns the, um, she owns a, I'm going to find the information right now. I don't know where that went, but she owns a uh, hair salon in Round Rock and it is called, hold on one moment here. Let me get the name. The the uh, hairdresser is um, the salon is called the Mirror and Eye Salon, and it's located on 2000 Sam Bass Road, number 102 in Round Rock. And um, she she told me that everything is continuing to stay in place with masks and social distancing at her salon. Another business is the Treasure City Thrift Shop, and that's uh, that's at 2142 East 7th Street in Austin. So they are also keeping um, that guideline of wearing masks and social distancing. And then later in the show, after we come back from our interview in Mexico, we're going to have another business that is keeping everything safe, and that's the Crema Bakery and Cafe in South Austin, and they also helped numerous people with free food after the crazy Texas winter storm. So we're going to go to Mexico and talk to the twins in Bay of Banderas, and then we're going to come back and talk to Jessica from Crema Bakery and Cafe. All right, and now we're going to go to the Bay of Banderas, Mexico, where Ruben and Minerva are going to talk to us about another destination in Mexico. Welcome, Ruben. Welcome, Minerva. Hey. Hi. How are you? We are good. Everything is good here. How's the weather? It's a little bit hot, but if the night is like... More fresh and cold. Okay. That's nice. Sleep, Good sleeping weather. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, now take us away. Where are you going to take us today? We're going to talk about San Francisco. All right. Go ahead. San Francisco, or San Pancho, as it's more commonly referred to, is a Mexican town situated in the state of Nayarit on the central Pacific coast of Mexico, about 30 miles north of Puerto Vallarta on the Federal Highway 200. Before the arrival of the Spanish and still somewhat today, the coast and every mountainous region known as the Sierra Madre Occidental was populated by the indigenous Coran Wichol, and the Spanish developed port at San Blas to the north and Puerto Vallarta to the south. The region began to increase in population but still at much lower peace 
and cut off from urban centers like Guadalajara. Franciscan prices proceeded along with Londoners over half Latifundia State. So Francisco continued to rely on the substance fishing and some mango and tropical fruit cultivation until the change made by then President Luis Echeverria. In the 1970s, who made it in the site of his family vacation retreat. A slow federal funding to San Francisco followed towards his dream of making San Francisco a self-sufficient third world village which included the present hospital and a short-lived Universidad of Texas. There are many things here that you can do, like tortoise projects, bird watching, music festivals, machinery, e-surfing here in San Pancho. The majority of San Pancho location, rental house and hotels, provide phone lines and Wi-Fi. And if you're bringing your own laptop, tablet or smartphone, the principal restaurants, cafes, tend to have wireless internet for which they can give you the password. Well, that all sounds great, and it looks like another great destination for people to enjoy. You know, Art stayed there at a vegan hotel one time. So, so let me ask you guys: Are are you getting are the vaccinations coming down there? Are people getting vaccinated? Um, yeah, the teachers and the people, like the, I don't know how to explain it. Well, people over 65? Yeah. Okay. All right. It seems to be going pretty quickly. Yeah, I think we are going to um, do class, like, presently soon. Oh, good. Great. So things are moving. Well, stay safe down there. Okay, and until next time, adios. Until next time, adios. All right. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, um, we'll be joined by Jessica at Crema Bakery. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Worry about memory loss? Dr. Ronald DeVere, certified neurologist and director of Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders in Lakeway, has been helping those with dementia and memory loss for over 12 years, specializing in the diagnosis, treatment, and counseling of those with memory loss and dementia. Dr. DeVere also has a book to reduce your worry and fear by knowing the facts. Memory loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. Available now on Amazon.com. Dr. Ronald DeVere, Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders center in Lakeway, and his book, Memory Loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. For more information or to schedule an appointment, call 51 Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com. Flying so high now 
Shows a man where to fish Watch me send there He lies in his hand and Teaches stories how to live And he knows how to live the thunder high in that mountain watch the clouds rolling in senorita they dance on that shoreline making plans for that kiss and they know how to kiss they say that we're one hour behind but the senor to keep us in time That poppy CT just blows through my mind It takes me back to my place Punta Mita time All right, and we're back. And joining us on the line is Jessica from Crema Bakery in South Austin. Welcome, Jessica. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I just want to let you know there's a slight delay when we talk like this, so just kind of keep that in mind. So thanks for joining us. We, You know, I just wanted to have you on the program because every week now I'm highlighting those businesses that are keeping with the safety guidelines to keep the community safe. And I want to thank you for doing that over there at Crema Bakery. Um, so that definitely. I it's, 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 go ahead. Sorry. But no, go on. I was just going to say, yeah, that we uh, have definitely tried to keep um, the public need and the safety of our employees at the forefront of our minds since, all of this started so yeah and you know it's really appreciated because you know so you know now things are changing and some places are are not doing that and we want to make sure to to let people know which places are so um and also thank you for i you know i understand that you helped many people after our crazy winter storm can you tell us about that uh, sure. Yeah. Kind of what, uh, what kicked it all off was, uh, my wife and I live less than five minutes away from our shop. And, um, so we, Valentine's weekend is our, our Valentine's day is always our biggest day of the year. We call it our Super Bowl. And, um, that Sunday when the storm hit was, um, you know, Valentine's day was supposed to be kind of our biggest day. And we, uh, we really, nobody knew how bad it would be. And so we mm-hmm. kind of weathered the first day. And, and when our power went out, um, the first thing we thought of was if we don't have power here, then we definitely have lost power at the shop. And that means that we've got tons of food um, and milk and other things that are going to go bad. And uh, people won't be able to go to stores. And, you know, it's just we, we didn't want food to go to waste. So the first thing we did was 
uh, go up to our store as soon as we could, you know, get through. It took like 40 minutes for my wife to get two miles down the road because of the road conditions. Mm-hmm. But um, she uh, went and, and we had a bunch of milk, <clears throat> excuse me, had a bunch of milk that, um, that was going to go bad. And so we just put a little thing on our social media and said, Hey, if anybody needs milk and, you know, and put it out in the snow and didn't really think about it. And then, um, you know, within minutes it was all gone and people were saying, you know, Oh, we need more, we need more. So we ended up putting out some produce and dry goods and just kind of things that we knew we wouldn't be able to keep. Um, and we couldn't even get it out fast enough. It was just gone before. Wow. Um, yeah. And so that kind of led us to, you know, realize like, you know, we've had thousands of dollars of loss and as a business, obviously that hurts us, but what about all of our neighbors who have everybody's been impacted in the same way? People have lost, you know, food, they've lost time off from work and it's just going to be a struggle. So, um, we, uh, we put it out on our social media and we've got such an amazing group of, of, uh, customers that have been with us for a really long time and, and, um, people who advocate for us. And we said, you know, well, we've got this Venmo if anybody wants to uh, contribute, but we're also going to put uh, our money kind of where our mouth is. And um, so we just started ordering groceries. And for eight days in a row, we did a daily uh, grocery distribution um, that kind of grew and grew. And over the course um, of about a week and a half, we ended up giving out uh, over $10,000 worth of food. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, a lot of people lost all their food, right? Because of no electricity and um and it as you said, it was very difficult to to get places. Um and then to find the food on the shelves, right? Yeah, I mean that's the thing is people kind of ever since this pandemic, well, I mean, we see it every time there's any kind of a storm in, in Texas, everybody goes to the store and buys out all the milk and bread. But um I think really since this pandemic, there's just been so much um, unease and, you know, so many questions and people worry so much that this hoarding mentality has happened. And, um, and then obviously mm-hmm. there were disruptions in the supply chain too. We just couldn't get things, you know, it took us right. about three days to be able to get any more milk um, in any quantity, um, even to use for our business. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. whatever we could do to kind of help people in, in that situation. Well, yeah, that's really beautiful. So, um, so what do you serve at your at your uh, What do you have at your bakery and cafe? Yeah, so we're um, we're a custom uh, sweets bakery. Uh, we make everything from scratch in house. Um, so we have we you know we do custom cakes, wedding cakes, birthday cakes, and that kind of stuff. And then um, in our case daily, we have a huge variety. Everything from um, muffins and croissants and other breakfast pastries to um, cake balls and macarons and uh, cheesecakes and uh, a big, uh, big different, you know, variety of cupcakes and just kind of all of that stuff. And then um, we have a great craft coffee. Uh, we get espresso from a roaster in East Austin. So are, all of our coffee is super fresh. And, um, and then in addition, we've also got kind of a, a light uh, food menu too with your breakfast tacos and some breakfast croissants and sandwiches and salads and that kind of thing too. So kind of, kind of takes you mm-hmm. throughout the day. Yeah. Making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so where are you located? We are at nine zero zero one Brody lane. So 
uh, we're on Brody between William Cannon and Slaughter, pretty far south Austin. It, it didn't, doesn't really seem that way. Austin's kind of got this spread going on. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, people used to consider South Austin to be um, what is closer to downtown now, and we're, but we're pretty far south, and um, we're uh, in a nice little strip mall with a bunch of other local businesses. And if people want to order something custom, what would be the best phone number for them to do that? Sure. Yeah, our phone number is 512-282-1300. Or you can contact us uh, through our website, cremabakerycafe.com. And that's also our handle on all of our social media, so Instagram and Facebook. And um, we have a really active following there, so we try to keep our social media um, updated with any kind of special things that are going on. We're getting ready for St. Patrick's Day. Today was pie day, so... We did a bunch of um, mini pies and, you know, we just kind of try to try to keep uh, people engaged because it's hard to find things to be happy about these days. You know, (laughs) you got to find the the sweetness where you can. So we try to be that sweet part of people's day. Nice. Nice. And everybody remember to wear your mask when you go to the They can't get in without a mask, right? No, absolutely not. Yeah. We've got big signage on the front door and we have had, you know, we've had some people who um, have been pretty belligerent about it. Um, we've made our mask stance very clear since the beginning, and we don't allow dine-in either, um, just take out and uh, some curbside because um, it's just not safe yet, you know. And, and I know right. that we're able to keep our business going without it. And I think even if even if we were struggling, I think I would rather go out of business than, um, you know, put myself and my family and my team at risk. So that's the, the yeah. thing we've taken. And that's, that's, I think part of what has kept us alive is people appreciate that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to post your address on my website about this show. So people can go there and the phone number will be there as well. So if they missed it, they can just go to my website later and it'll all be there. Um, thank you so much for everything that you're doing and thank you for, for being on the program this evening. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Mara, for kind of highlighting the people who are doing the right thing. It's it's hard to uh, acknowledge all those people, so we appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to do my part. So <laughs> let's all support each other. Yeah, and and you have a good evening and stay safe. Okay? You too. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, so we've come to the end of another program, and before we go, let me let you know what's going on next week. Um, Next Sunday, March 21st, we'll be joined right here in Austin, Texas, by by our guests in Austin, Texas, Ginny Sue, founder and leader of Immunize Texas, and she is also running for Texas State Senate, and she's going to talk about um, immunization and about what she's running, you know, what what issues she's running on as a senator. And then as part of our segment on Texas businesses keeping us safe during the pandemic, we'll be highlighting um, Two Hearts Wellness, Paula Paula Bruno, who is the, is the acupuncturist and herbalist and owner of Two Hearts Wellness. And we'll be talking about some other Texas businesses keeping us safe 
and we'll have more. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and get the information, uh, the websites, all of that that we talked about on this program, the addresses of those businesses, go to my website, drmaricarpel.com. And you can also hear the podcast on my website. And you can also hear the podcast in, in as soon as five minutes from now by going directly to blog talk radio, B-L-O-G, talk radio, dot com slash your golden years and you can also listen on apple podcasts and be sure to follow me on facebook for upcoming events dr mara carpell your golden years my special thanks to my guests dr kylie harris jessica of crema bakery and cafe minerva and ruben in bay of bandatis and of course thank you to art thank you all for listening and the show was produced by accomplice entertainment postal productions and psyched up guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show. This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon.